welcome to Just Go With It, a podcast by 20-somethings for 20-somethings. Fun, flirty, and keeping it real. An absolute riot, these two. If it isn't over the top, it ain't us. They came out of college on top. Then life hit them in the face. Be a bit more professional, please. Couldn't shut us up then. Won't shut us up now. Here are the tips and tricks you are going to need to get through your 20s. We are getting into it. Strap yourselves in for a wild ride. Live on air. I'm Abby. And I'm Ashley. Good Lord, it's already season two. Grab a drink, take a seat, and get ready to just go with it. This is fun for the pod. Do you have a list of baby names? Because I do. Hell yeah, I do. I've had a list of baby names for as long as I can remember. Should we go through them really quick for fun? I'm not sure what modern, current, contemporary practices are for who's allowed to go into the room and stuff in the hospital, but I swear, I want to go into the room so bad when you have the baby, and... um. I want to like joke around while you're waiting to go into active labor when you're just, you know, kind of sitting there waiting to get the, or after you have the epidural and you're just kind of sitting and waiting for, you know, stuff to start moving along. I think it would be so much funny. The potential for jokes would be through the roof. Yeah. Like the cheaper by the dozen vibes. Um, that'd be really, really special. I hope that you are there. In fact, I hope you deliver it somehow, some way. Can you imagine? I would not know the first thing to do. I do have to read a wiki how something that I'm also really excited for is to look in the glass case at the baby um not necessarily the NICU it's just like when the nurse takes him to wash him up and all that stuff and the dad follows and takes pictures and then they put them for a little while behind the glass case like uh there are ice cream flavors and sometimes people can go and stare at them like when they're in the NICU all of the disgusting innards that come out of you yeah, all of the inerts, if you will. And then they wash them up and wash their hair and all that stuff. Ew. Okay, wait, pull up your baby name list because I'm so excited. So honestly, since I was like 11 or 12 years old, I went to a basketball tournament playing against a bunch of other girls. And someone had a friend of a girl on another team and her name was Tyler. And I had never met a girl named Tyler before or known of any girl being named Tyler. And I was like, that is the coolest name in the entire world. And you could call her Ty. And so that one's been sticking with me. And I think it's important to write down your baby names because in like three years, maybe I'll hate all of these. You know what I mean? I'll look back at them and be like, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Which happens to me most of the time. Tyler has stuck for so many years. And I think that might be a winner for me. I also, something that I'm a strong person on, which I think, or have a strong stance on, which I think is interesting is that even if someone, like if there's names that I've liked for so long and someone else happens to name their baby that I'll still do it for mine. Like it's such an important thing. Who cares if it's the same as someone else? It's such an important thing to you. Right. Yeah. I think it's like very personal and special. Of course, it's like the most important thing that you're ever going to name in your life. It's your children. That's how I am with a couple names, one in particular, uh, for as long as I can remember, since I was so much younger, I've been obsessed with a couple names. Um, Keeping in the vein of boy names for a girl, I really like Parker and I really like Noah without the H. N-O-A. What do we think? (laughs) I actually also like Noah probably more for a boy than a girl, but I've always loved Noah too, next to Charlotte. Yeah, I think that's just a strong name in general. But I also think it's cool. I get a lot of book book recommendations for names, like book character names. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. For for example, Briar. Briar was from a book I read, and I think that's a pretty girl name. Which book was it? Um, Such a Fun Age. Ah, yes, that one. I have a couple more. Naomi, Delilah, call her Lila, and my last one is Lennon. (laughs) You remind me of someone that would name their baby after them. Maybe not if your name was Abby, 
or if your name is something different than Abby and you were more passionate about it, you seem like someone that would name their baby after them, their daughter. And I kind of feel like I would do that as well. Abby the second, Abby Jr. Why? Just because I am a narcissist? Yes, precisely. <laughs> I think um, perhaps a one middle name, if I have more than one girl, I really like the middle name Gray. And I stole it from India and it'd also be like a nod to her as one of my best friends or also perhaps Jacqueline because that's my mom's name. And I think my mom would really appreciate, you know, something. Ah, uh, yes. I also like Ray, boy, girl, middle name, whatever. What the hell is Jeff's name? name? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Michael. Jeff, if you're listening, is it Michael? David? Okay. What are yours? So <clears throat> Noah, Elliot... Um, it's a strong name. Obviously, Charlotte. No, no. Would you I call, call her Charlie? Charlie? Probably not. I think that's so cute. Really? Nathan, Margo with a T. I kind of like Alice. Um, I used to like Bridget Moore. Um, I'm trying to think what else. A name that I've always loved also in the deep way that I love Charlotte is Dawson. I think Dawson is such a handsome, sweet name. <gasps> I have Dawson. It's at the top of my list. I also like Lane for a middle name for a girl. L-A-N-E? Yes. L-A. No, L-A-Y-N-E. Lane. Are you talking about a first name or a middle name? I don't know where the confusion is coming for from. I'm talking about a, lane, a middle name like um, like Charlotte Lane. Okay. <laughs> Got it, got it, got it. I don't mind Brooke also. Kind of cute. Nathan. Is that because of One Tree Hill? because of One Tree Hill. I've always liked them separately. I would never do this. I'd have to be a celebrity, but much like the daughter in The Sopranos, I think the name Meadows kind of sweet for a girl. I wouldn't do it. But if I was a celebrity, Oof, I, I can't get behind that one. I'm sorry. I am 100% confident that if I was a celebrity, I would be the person to name my kid Apple and shit like that. I would. But Dawson and like Charlotte are ones that I'm super passionate oh, about. Oh, so we're both going to have Dawson Gray? <laughs> ah, who cares? The name's personal. They could be twins. <laughs> that would be confusing for the family. <laughs> okay. This name I came across a while, a little while ago while I was reading a book. And I was like, that's dumb. But I really liked it. And I was telling my friend and she was like, no, a thousand percent. But it t- her personality, this daughter, the hypothetical daughter of mine, her personality would have to really go along with it. But Sunday, how about a girl named Sunday? Sunday. Okay. But you're not going to know what her personality is going to be like when she's an infant and needs a name. <laughs> well, I know that's the issue. I don't know what her personality is going to be like, but... Also, the last name would have to go really well. Like, I read a book and her name was Sunday Brennan. I thought that was wonderful. Okay. I'll support you no matter what you name your kids, believe it or not. Let's change their name when they turn 18. What the hell? We should all have, like, a renaming ceremony where they get older and then we assign them with the name that they were meant to be born with. Yeah, like, your personality makes you more of a Sunday now. Obviously, nothing set in stone except for Charlotte in my mind. Mm -hmm. I just see you with a Charlotte. I can't explain it. I don't make the rules. You're having a Charlotte. Even if it's a boy, it's Charlotte. <laughs> I don't care if I have to adopt Charlotte. I'm having a girl one day and that's what I'm naming her. <laughs> and I think that the wife should get more say than the husband. He didn't go through this nine months of um, torture and then the aftermath. Yeah, he just got a precious gift and a lot of debt. Okay, number one boy name, top of the list, tippy, tippy, top, Walker. Secondary under that, I think, is Bo, B-E-A-U. 16-year-old shouldn't, when you have a baby at a young age. Um, if I had named a baby at 16, I would have named it after my favorite TV characters. Actually, 
I would give my daughter the middle name Scout after you and the dog. The only thing is, yeah, it's a harsh T at the end. Oh my gosh. Honored. That's a good, let's, let's put that on the list. Go ahead and write that one down. (laughs) And my last two ones are Ashton and Easton. Actually, there's another one. And Brooks. Nobody likes Brooks. Brooks sounds pretentious. You can't have a Brooks and a Walker. (laughs) Brooks and Dunn. (laughs) I remember in high school, I volunteered at church and the kids were like four years old and there was the cutest, coolest little boy with like long blonde hair and like to his shoulders and his name was Cash and he was so cool. (laughs) That's like our friend Madison Daniels. She went used to joke she would name her son Dallas Daniels and that is such a cool name. Yeah, when I used to referee at the Boys and Girls Club, there was a little boy named Ace, and Ace was like the coolest kid in town. And I was like, mm, that's a cool name. I'm like, that's a cool name, bro. He's like six. I also don't mind the name Sophie. I think that's like really sweet. Charlotte, Sophie, and Dawson coming at you in uh, 15 years. Anyways, I hope everyone relates to that because pretty much everyone I know has a baby name list. And if you don't, you should probably start one because A, it's fun and B, it's never too early to start thinking of them. Actually, and I don't even know if we'll ever have children, but here we are planning it out. Yeah, that's the thing. All this said and done, if we didn't have kids, I think we'd be like, well, what's meant to be is meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, we'd be fine with it. Zero percent of us is dying to become a mother. I cannot think of anything further from our mind's eye right now than like this Yet, discussion. Talking about names is still exciting for us. When I picture like myself having kids, I picture it happening to like a character in a movie that's not me, like the most ideal version of me, but not certainly not the me that I am right now. And also, what are you supposed to do with your baby when you bring it home from the hospital? Show it around the house? Literally, give yeah, you give it a tour, tour, I guess. This is your new home. Nobody knows what to do with it. We literally create human beings from our bodies, and then we're just told, okay, keep it alive. And then you have to keep it happy, not just alive, but happy. Also, I, no one's sending me home from the hospital right away. Some people it's just want to get home, but I'd like to stay there for as long as humanly possible. Oh, I thought that was like a communal experience, like trying to camp out in the hospital as long as you can. But I can't wait to visit you. I'll tell you that much. What's going on, you guys? Happy Friday. Happy hour. Welcome back to another episode of Just Go With It. As you may have noticed, and hopefully that you did notice, we did not have an episode last week. And that is because Ashley was literally on her deathbed on a gurney being ready to roll into the light. I told her not to go to the light and she didn't because she's back here this week with us. But she needed a little sick day and like, that's okay. We all need it sometimes, but I'm so happy to hear her voice and see her face again. I feel like I literally haven't talked to you in two weeks and it's probably been two weeks. So like, how the hell are you? So not to regress for a little bit, but I did look it up and I learned this on Yellowstone, but apparently um, they say it's like nature's paternity test, the baby looking like the dad when it is just born. And I looked it up right now, a little fun fact for everyone. And apparently a newborn looks more like their dad when they're born. That way the dad like recognizes them, wants to bond with them, knows it belongs to them, the whole nine yards, evolutionary speaking. And that is why... So a lot of people think that the baby looks just like, just like its father when it's fresh out of the womb. I just thought it was because they had short hair and they're pudgy, like most dads. <laughs> Interesting. You learn something new every day, don't you? 
So yeah, I was doing extremely unwell and it really opened my eyes to show me the duality of man, the fragility of life and the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) The fragility. If I missed you, I can only imagine how much the fans missed you and missed a Friday of not hearing our voices. So shockingly, something that I realized about myself this year is that I am not the biggest St. Patrick's Day fan. And I think it might be a matter of circumstance. Um... I was like thinking back in my mind and going through my camera roll and I've never really gone all out for St. Patrick's Day, which I feel like just doesn't align with my core character and who I am as a person. I think having fun is so much fun. And I think I'm all for like a theme and dressing up and any reason to go out and have fun. But looking back through the photo graphic journey evidence, there's not much that I've done for St. Patrick's Day. And Like the pandemic took two years away, but even junior year, I think just like a whatever party and sophomore year, like not much was happening. And I just feel like that doesn't align with my character or my core being like Valentine's Day rolls around. Let's do something. Um, Any 4th of July, all the fun holidays, I practically say, let's do something and dress as day laborers for Labor Day. But St. Patrick's Day comes and I don't know what it is. I just don't click with it. Maybe it's because I haven't had it on a weekend since I was a kid, but who knows? Interesting. Yeah, for some reason, it really snuck up on me too. I had no plans until the last minute. Well, I remember that one year we had like this whole elaborate plan for Tequila Madison's pub crawl, but that didn't come to fruition. For some reason, as long as I like wear green and have a singular beer, I'm ready to like call it a day when it comes to St. Patrick's Day. And I just don't know why I don't click with it. I would. I love a theme too. I think this year St. Patrick's Day is popping off more so than other years because green is very in right now. People are loving green and they're wearing it and they're wearing the hell out of it. However, love to go to Boston or Chicago one year. And I think that might jog my enthusiasm for it. Oh, where do they do the Green River or whatever? It's in Chicago. Okay, yeah, I'm down. (laughs) I want to take a cup and I want to dip it into the Green River. I want to take a sip, even though it's probably infected with bacteria. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to see, I could give my body something to fight. Let's see what I can do. But I think that would be a very spiritual experience for me and I'd like to do it. Yeah. mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to wake up the system, you know? So while Ashley was on her deathbed, I was on a long 10-hour one-way road trip down to the great state of Texas, the Lone Star State, America's state. Well, if you were like driving across the great country of America, did you take the time to go to New Mexico? Because that's a vitally important state in my mind to go to where they obviously filmed wild hogs. Are you sure? Have you looked at a map? Am I that's the am other I side, wrong? bro. <laughs> other side i don't think you're understanding geography here's tennessee okay well it wasn't worth our time and it wasn't in it was way out of the way okay it was way out of the way but dallas was interesting i think i wish i could have gone with a local or like visited someone who knows the area really well because i think that would have made the experience a lot better to be honest with you last summer we visited austin texas and that was so much more fun, in my opinion, just in terms of like things to do, young people, attractions. Yeah, it, it didn't do that much for me, but it, I mean, it was fun. It was a big city. We went to the JFK Museum and like listened, watched all the history there. And like that was cool because I feel like I learned a lot. Um, but I think Fort Worth was more fun, especially the stockyards. Ashley, you would die at the stockyards. They were so fun. 
I ate a lot of things. I drank a lot of things. I shopped. I had many epiphanies. I bought a hat and I was looking for red boots everywhere. And to my dismay, I did not find any red boots. So I ended up ordering some on Amazon the last day of the trip because I was so frustrated. But you know, Amazon never fails me. Another th- another thing that I'm shocked I like haven't heavily participated in is a rodeo. Did you go to a rodeo? I don't. I can't imagine why I've never been to one. And that also goes against my character. No, but they have a rodeo like every weekend there. You would like Fort Worth. Honestly, people are sleeping on Fort Worth. And what I learned is that people are very either Fort Worth, Team Fort Worth, or Team Dallas. Like there's there's like a rivalry. They're like 40 minutes apart. Oh, I just looked on a map. I understand the New Mexico issue. I thought it was Arizona, like the top of Texas and then New Mexico and then continues on and so forth. I was misled Um, and apparently would have taken you 28 hours if you had detoured to Madrid, New Mexico for Wild Hogs, the bar. It's not even close. I'm really not sure to this day why I just don't click with Austin. I'm still confused on it. I think that maybe... The heat was just so oppressive. And we also, I got there like that night earlier with Allie and I was hungover the next morning already. It would just like hit the ground running and wore my body into the ground. And it was like the fact that we were pouring sweat in the Airbnb. I think I need to go in like the fall. I don't, when's it cold there? When Or not cold, but cooler. I don't know. The, the hangovers got to me. Yeah, there was a lot of hangover situations, which leads us into our next topic actually. Ashley and I were talking about the whole idea of anxiety and drinking the night before and see Ashley's dying drinking the night before and just waking up the next day, not only feeling absolutely wrecked with your body and your mind, but trying to remember what the heck happened. What did you do? What did you say? Who did you offend? You know, who did you embarrass? It's, it's a lot. Ashley, when was the last time you experienced it? Well, I remember being a kid, 18 or so, and uh, going out to like bars abroad, especially, and the, the older kids that were like 21 would complain about being hang- hungover the next day. And I don't recall, I would wake up spry, ready to go out again. And I don't recall anything really inhibiting me until I started becoming maybe like a late 21. And, but even now, if I just really down water, um, I'm good to go. Like it's water's all I need. I know what what will get me through, and I know to how to survive from going out. But I mean, things are getting worse the older we get. So I can't imagine how I'm going to feel when I'm like you know thirty or whatever. Take me back to a simpler time. <laughs> I never really experienced severe anxiety, if you will. But maybe like six months ago, or like maybe in the late spring or early summer, I don't remember. Um, it would just be once in a while a general feeling the next morning. Of like a heaviness in the chest or just like not overwhelming anxiety, just like a little, little bit of anxiousness there after a big night of drinking or something the night before. And I started noticing that and I was like, what's happening to me? Am I getting older? I don't know why either, but it does. So I asked our best friend India about it and she was like, oh, I've been dealing with that for miles. And I was like, oh, well, I haven't and I don't like it. What What is one to do? And I just like realized that it's just a chemical reaction in your body and there's nothing you can do about it. Like it's just your body reacting and it's just kind of wild how we poison ourselves. (laughs) And I'm not sure. I think maybe it could stem potentially from just like, oh, did I say something last night or did I like do something or say something that was out of line? And... I don't know. Maybe it's I don't really experience that. Like with you, for example, you... 
I feel like there's nothing I can do wrong in your eyes. And so I don't feel any sort of like, you know, anxiousness or anything, but just like with other friends or like being around new people, did I say something? Did I step out of line? Even though that's not in my character to do, even when I'm drinking, I think maybe that's kind of where the general anxiety was coming from in some ways. Because like I said with you, I know that there's not really too much of that I feel like I could do wrong per se. So there's no anxiety there um, when going out with you. But that's like kind of what I could think of potentially. Yeah, like you're in a safe space, unconditional love. I just feel like if you were to pick, it's like in your wisdom teeth out. If you were to pick me up from getting my wisdom teeth out, I couldn't care less. I know that there's probably nothing wrong I could ever, ever, ever say or do. Um, It's like my parent. But just like, I don't know, just maybe dynamic wise, just a generalized anxiety about like, what could I possibly say or do in this scenario? That's a good way to put it. Except, you know, that I would probably like record all of it. (laughs) Or like maybe if there's like friends of friends there. I don't know. That's interesting. I feel like, well, personally, in the last year, I've cut back on drinking and going out in general a ton. So even when I go out... I'm not drinking to oblivion most of the time. And so it's like, I pretty much remember most of the things that happened, except for the end of the night, things usually hit me like a truck. But I, I'm i like grateful because I feel like a lot of the times I haven't experienced anxiety. Like that probably hasn't happened to me yet, but it might. But that's kind of all gone away, just like naturally. And I don't even know why. Maybe like in the fall, it just kind of like it dissipated. <laughs> and thank God, hopefully it doesn't come back. I don't know. Did you will it to stop? <laughs> Mind over matter. I don't know. It's not like I've changed anything. So I did some research that might interest you. And there's no like cut and dry reason that oh, I love exists. Research. However, according to research, this is what I could piece together. So basically, first of all, you get a dopamine rush, obviously, from drinking. And then that come down can induce anxiety. If you are already a somewhat anxious person, then all of these chemicals in your brain just heighten whatever is going on because alcohol already heightens whatever your emotions are. So if it's anxiety already, then this just makes it worse. Like I said earlier, it's just a chemical reaction. And the chemical reaction in your brain um, that causes you to relax and intensifies everything can, it's almost like a withdrawal sometimes to come down. And also, especially the older you get, the worse you sleep after a heavy night of drinking. So the lack of sleep, the dehydration, the chemical reaction, the come down, maybe already some anxiety about something going on um, is a perfect storm all put together. Oh, right. And the sleep is so important. It's actually crazy how important sleep is for us to be functioning humans. The whole, like, I agree with you backing up. The whole idea of drinking is so strange. Like we are putting, first of all, most of it tastes bad unless you're like drinking a good cold beer and the sun is out or you're sipping a really good, well-made cocktail. Like a lot of alcohol on its own tastes like trash. That being said, I mean, if I know that I'm going out, nothing gets me in the mood quite like a vodka soda, extra wine. I mean, I'm not like drinking those alone in the solitary confinements of my bedroom but like if i'm going out to a bar and it'll be a fun night nothing gets me excited quite like that so awful i could literally never tequila soda disgusting vodka water disgusting all the things that we drink to be skinny legends disgusting (laughs) 
according to my research, some other things that can induce the anxiety in general is maybe not remembering who you texted or called, snapshotted, DM'd, any of that, how much money you might have spent, also just what you might have said to the people around you that you were hanging out with. Interesting. I never really thought about it too too in depth. I'm like giving you reasons to, that you haven't thought of to have anxiety around drinking. You're someone who's inclined to like go home with someone, maybe not remembering the details of the circumstances with that, how how you could have possibly behaved. That's actually terrifying, the hooking up thing. Oh my God. If you're someone who has some anxiety already about what consuming calories or how much you like drinking your calories, just a generalized anxiety over that. Um, if you just kept drinking and didn't stop. Oh, the money is a big one. I have a lot of anxiety about the money. <laughs> That's like the phase in college where we'd go out and we just had to have a chili cheese dog when we got home or me with like the onion rings. Or like when we were on vacation last month, I had 700 literally of those cheese stick things sitting on the bed. <laughs> Stuff like that upsets my stomach too in general. I don't know why I did that. That was nuts. Wow. They're really, as you're listing this off, like I'm realizing there's so many things to have anxiety about. And I'm like, okay, am I going to have it now? Starting now, starting today, <laughs> you're giving me so many ideas. <laughs> but yeah, mine personally, if I had to literally guess was just what could I possibly have said? <clears throat> you're like, what could I possibly have said? That being said, if you're experiencing this, you must remember everyone's been the drunkest at a party at some point. I mean, as long as you're not making a habit of it and you're not seriously endangering others or yourself or, you know, causing a scene every time and everyone has to take care of you. Everyone has their uh, cross to pair and their rite of passage if you do enjoy going out and drinking and it's bound to happen to you at some point. Yeah, sometimes the only times I've ever really gotten anxiety, it's more from like, how embarrassing was I acting? Like, how obnoxious? What did I knock over? Like, you know. Also, you have to remember, if you're going out, especially to a bar, you're at a place with a lot of people, no one's paying attention to you. You're not as important as you think you are. And if all of your friends are drinking as well, then they won't really notice. And if they're really your friends and they really love you and they do notice and it's an honest mistake that you got out of hand, then it'll be okay. Yeah, everyone, I mean, that's, again, we're back to the spotlight effect, but I think everyone thinks that everyone's watching their every move. And the fact is that people are just too consumed and concerned with what's going on in their own lives and how they're appearing that they're really not even paying attention to you. The cold hard truth. Also with the eating and drinking too many calories, if that's something that's causing you anxiety, one night can't change your body. And you're going to be bloated. That's normal because you just drank alcohol and alcohol makes you bloated. There's seven days in a week. One night isn't going to, you know, be catastrophic in any way. I've also noticed just in the past two years or whatever, um, if you are one who's inclined to drink or drink heavier or lighter throughout different phases of your life, I've just noticed even the, like you know, one or two drinks at home on a weekday or something, I've really been able to identify when I'm feeling down or anxious or especially like sad over something not to have, you know, a drink with dinner or something like that, just because it intensifies it so much, whatever I'm feeling. And I think I'm, that's might be called maturity. I'm really cognizant of how I feel and if I know that a uh, drink will always make me feel worse. Yeah, I so. think that's really good advice because like we said earlier, whatever the alcohol, whatever you're feeling before the alcohol, the alcohol is going to heighten that emotion. So if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling anxious, it's just going to make it worse, not better. It's not going to numb anything or distract you. 
that being said, um, I still drink um, um, more often than others. And so I guess I have a sweet disposition and a wide-eyed gaze. Hell, we love life out here. We're having fun. Sue us. <laughs> how, hell, how often am I that down and out, I guess? <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Personally, if you do wake up, though, and you have that anxiety, I think the best thing to do is go ahead and investigate what went awry. Um, if it's about texting someone and you go and you look and it's a forgivable transgression, that's not a big deal. Delete it. We don't need to the added anxiety. If it's something that you need to apologize for or address or something with someone that you're talking to, then go ahead. Get it all out in the open. Everyone understands a drunk text in a while, once in a while. Hell, it's even flattering. But... If it's just something that you can bypass, you know, just delete the damn thing and move on. That way you're not seeing it and it's causing you more anxiety. Yeah. I mean, there's always that good excuse like, oh, I was so drunk. I don't remember. But also another good rule of thumb, if you are a person who constantly is doing that and it's giving you anxiety, like who did I text? Who did I Snapchat? Maybe practice putting our phones away. I know that can be hard because we want to document all the fun nights in our life. But if you're someone who like chronically does that, why, why not turn your phone Maybe not off. That's not safe. But you know what I mean? Just keep keep your phone in your purse or something. Like, let's not bring it out. Let's not be texting Or people. if you know that you have a habit of going wild with your phone, tell your friend that you trust and you go out with, hey, make sure, like, pay attention. Who am I texting? What's going on? Hold me accountable, will you? Something else that I've done, especially on vacation, during just about the money thing, take... I mean, it's not really safe, I think, to like go out without, you know, some sort of card just in case you never know what situation you can get into. But take cash, how much you know that you're willing to spend. But you wake up, tell yourself, you know, like an affirmation, hey, it's a chemical reaction in my body. I'm going to get outside. I'm going to go for my walk. I'm going to go to a farmer's market. I'm going to get a coffee somewhere. Try and hang out with the people that you went out with the night before. Laugh about your stories and stuff. Up and Adam, it's a new day. Go outside, maybe. That always makes me feel better. Mind, body, spirit, soul. Go on that walk. Go get that coffee with the friends that you were out with the night before. Laugh about all the good stories that you collected. And treat yourself to a nice, good breakfast. Unless you're going to throw it up, then don't. That being said, as Tinks likes to say, though, having fun is so much fun. And there's never been an instance, a uh, anxiety-ridden morning that in all of my time going out, I st- that still plagues me to this day. Yeah. What I like to say is, will this matter in five years? Will this matter in one year? Most likely not. Will it matter in two months? Probably not. Because you're not that important. <laughs> will it matter in two weeks? Honestly, probably not. But also, if you're that gal or person who's causing a scene and people have to be checking out on or checking up on you every single time you go out, you know, identify the problem. Why? What's going on? And figure out how to take active steps to kind of fix that. (laughs) Maybe there's a bigger problem here. (laughs) Since college, we graduated May of 2020. That whole summer when everything was so up in the air, there was a lot of drinking going on because there was honestly nothing else to do. Everything was shut down. We were just at home, whatever. Um... And then when I moved back home, I got on on a really big health kick and I started going to the gym every day and just being really healthy and trying to track my calories and my eating habits because I was just overeating a lot for like what I needed to be doing to function. And so with that, the easiest thing to cut out that's pointless calories is drinking. So I didn't drink for probably like eight months, really. I didn't really go out at all. Yeah. I mean, I had nowhere to go out. So that helped as well. No friends and nothing to do. (laughs) Uh, Back in my hometown. (laughs) Well, here's the issue. 
in California, it's always nice. Weather's always shining, sun's always shining, which makes it always seem like, you know what, it's time for a drink. There's no winter. There's no encroaching winter that tells you you can't go out on your balcony or patio and have a glass of wine at five o'clock. Yeah, we had seasons. I didn't know anyone. My parents had retired in this tiny little town where I didn't go to school, so I had no people my age. So there was a lot of reasons to not drink besides just health reasons. And so that helped me a lot cut back since college and once I started being on that health kick, I realized I don't really need drinking to have fun. And that was a big realization because I'm already the life of the party when I'm hundred percent sober. So why am I drinking to excess? Why? Like, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? So it just became silly to me. And now to this day, I still enjoy going out, but there's only been a handful of times that I can count probably on one hand since moving to Nashville, even where I was just like belligerently making a fool of myself. And that's okay. I think that's called growing up, dare I say. That being said, I'll go through phases on again, you know, off again. It sounds like I'm on and off the wagon, on again, off again. There's phases where it's like I'm going to cut out drinking completely for, you know, a month or just on weekdays or I'm not going to have a glass of wine or something unless I'm out at dinner or going out with people, not just, you know, alone. That sounded bad, but like, I just mean like, oh, reading a book at, you know, home at five o'clock at a normal hour or with dinner alone at home or something, cutting that out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm okay with it too, because I don't have to like skip out on social occasions just because I don't want to drink. Like sometimes I volunteer to be the DD and I kind of like it <laughs> because I wake up and I don't feel disgusting the next day. I feel good. And I feel like I can do more the next day, you know? Well, it's nice to know that I have a tiny bit of self-control. The problem is there's so few night activities to do with people in your 20s, in my opinion, that don't involve, you know, drinking or, you know, at least going out to dinner and then inevitably having a drink with it. Yeah, I don't know. I just also think it's funny when they're literally drinking poison for our bodies. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, I'm not against drinking by any means. I just think I have a completely different perspective and view on it than I did a year and a half ago. Well, Ashley, I can think of an activity that does not require drinking or give anyone anxiety. And that activity is reading. And if you've been following along on this podcast, we talk about books that we like and we recommend all the time. And we always have our guests recommend books because reading, knowledge is wealth, health is wealth, knowledge is power, all of the sayings, all of the things we love reading on this podcast. And it's my goal this year also to read 50 books. And I might just make it 52. What the hell? 52 weeks in a year, 52 books. Like I've said, download the Goodreads app and then it has a reading challenge for the year. And it tells you if you are behind or ahead of schedule, which is wonderful. Which is really exciting. And so we're going to close out this episode by giving book recs that Ashley and I have both read slash one that I really need Ashley to read, which is Verity by Colleen Hoover. That's going to be her next read or somewhat in the near future so that we can discuss in depth and perhaps even cast. I think that one would be fun to cast. They're quick. They're enjoyable. Um, Verity is kind of off her regular path because she's usually romance and Verity is more of a thriller with some romance in it, but highly recommend. Ashley and I love the thriller genre, but other books we recommend are in five years. Ashley loved this book more than I, but it was still quite enjoyable. I would say. I love that book. I read it again, dare I say. I, you know, we know how much I love the best friend trope. I love the dynamic between the two main characters. You love that dynamic. Ashley just read Reckless Girls. I loved how there was only six characters and I loved the past and present. And I sometimes when the cast list is too big, it gets a little muddled, everyone. But I loved the dynamics and the way it switched back and forth so quickly from past and present. And it was all relevant. If you're living somewhere cold, I would suggest reading Reckless Girls because it's a really fun plot and it's set on an island. That's the setting, which really just like takes you out of your current cold elements. 
Chris and Hannah is one of my favorite authors, Firefly Lane and The Great Alone, I highly recommend. Um, one of her other books is a little older, Between Sisters. It was good, emotional, liked it. Love that book. Such five stars. Quick summary. Little girl grows up in the 70s. Dad's in a functioning alcoholic. Goes through phases, though. Like, it's a little out of control at times. He picks up her, her mom and him and moves them out to, like, rural Alaska. There's a small town. But her dad gets worse and worse um, with the drinking and stuff. And... So they kind of navigate that, plus living in Alaska in the 70s, super not developed where they're living, and also just the characters in the town. And it's so good. Such a good ending. Okay, I didn't know. For some reason, I thought it was like one of those Explorer books where they like talk about how they got lost in the woods. Made me want to go on an Alaskan trip. Kristen Hannah can do no wrong, in my opinion. Okay, so exciting. I actually have been itching to visit Alaska one day, so maybe this is what I need to push me over the edge. The other day I realized, since Abby was my secret Santa this year, I realized that a really great, excellent gift she could have gotten me also was the book about the Titanic, The Ship of Dreams, thanks to a Jackie Autry recommendation. Yeah, fun fact, if you've made it this far in the episode, Ashley is a weird, weirdly obsessed with the Titanic. I'll say it. Anyways, that's all we have for you guys today. And hopefully next week we'll have a guest TBD on that, but love you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us five stars and share this podcast with anyone that you think would enjoy it. Love you. Bye.